This week's episode of The Curious Podcasts is brought to you by you, our valued listeners. If there are any topics you would like to hear us talk about, you can submit your suggestions at curious.podcasts at gmail.com. Also, if you want to show us some love and support, why not pop over to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash The Curious Podcasts. Hello? 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 Hello everyone and welcome back to the Curious Podcast. Don't ask me what Laws was doing, I have no fucking clue. Oh, how have you been this week, Lawless? Not good, not good at all. Why, what's been wrong? Internet addiction's a real thing. Oh, yes, internet addiction. So Mental health and all that. Um, I've had no internet for a couple of days. That must have killed you. It really Well, I thought I was going to be alright at first, and then... I don't know how we used to live without it. I don't say... You look back in the 80s and the 90s when we grew up, before the internet was really a thing. You know? And what I would do, we played outside. God forbid we have a outside our doors today. You know? There was all sorts of stuff to do. Lots of socialising and... Interpersonal reactions or what have you. Reactions? No, not reactions. Interactions. Interactions, thank you. Uh, You know, people socialised face-to-face. Not even mobile phones until the back end of the 90s. Then we had dial-up internet in the early 2000s. You know, god-awful slow bullshit that that was. And then technology has just ruined it. It has. It really has, yeah. Everyone's got ADD. Because we can't watch a video for more than 10 seconds or we're getting bored on TikTok. Mm. Uh, Neurodivergency. So I've been listening to the radio and stuff. um, But God, it's boring. Like, just being so disconnected. It's horrible. And, I've got a fact for you. Did you know that if you don't pay your internet bill, they'll cut your internet off? And did you know that they will also add on a late payment fee as well? (laughs) So you pay the bill, said right, and now you need to pay a little bit extra just to get reconnected. So what? What? You fucking what? Yeah, it's con. But we do need the internet, eh? Maybe you should look at a cheaper provider. Like I do. I am. I am. Well, I mean, you're with. I'm trying to find one who doesn't uh, charge. Uh, I think it's called the neighbour's Wi-Fi. Yeah, I used to have that. <laughs> when I lived next door to um, my neighbour, uh, then we still let us use their Wi-Fi. You want to know how, in, ad- in addition to having a password on so nobody could log in anyway, you want to know how I made sure that nobody ever connect- tr- even tried to connect to my Wi-Fi? I know, but go on. Because I renamed my Wi-Fi to the TV... There, I'll try it again. The TV License Mobile Enforcement Unit. You still remember when your name was not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. It'd be like months, de- months after I'd moved in. And they said, oh, can, can we log on to your Wi-Fi? Because our internet off. Oh, yeah, sure, no problem. There, 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 there's the password. And then I go back to the kitchen, boil the kettle, I'm making a pot noodle. And then I start laughing. I was like, I never told them the name of the network. A couple of minutes later, knock, knock, knock. 
it's not working. Um, which network name are you trying to connect to? Oh, the uh, Virgin, whatever. Oh, that, that's not mine. But you're on Virgin? Yeah, but that's not my network. Which one's yours? The TV license will be on falls, but you do. That's you! Because <laughs> 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 they had to be paying the license either, and, and they'd be shitting themselves every time they saw it. <laughs> looking out the window trying to find the van. It's only on The Simpsons when there's an FBI van, but it's flowers by Irene. And it's a sat outside the house all the time. I, d- I didn't oh, say that weird. one, no. But, eh, uh, uh, internet addiction, eh? Ah, uh, indeed, indeed. Right, speaking of addiction. Oh? It's your final story, isn't it? Yes, yes, the final instalment for the Creepypasta story time. And I swear I will never do one again unless I've read, a he- read it first to see how long it's going to fucking mm-hmm. be. That's what you get. That's what I get. Well, I always wanted to do some like audiobook reading or something like that. That's great. Like that. That's great. You can do that. Just not just, on the podcast. Just read before that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, without further ado, let's jump into the Curiosity Scratching Post. Come on, come on. We'll open it then. I'm trying, I'm trying. We'll get the key. I am using the key. You've got the one. Yeah. There we go. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Curiosity Scratching Post for the final instalment of the Creepypasta Storytime story. Every night at 2am, our daughter starts to cry. We should have listened. Last week we ended where Abby's mother heard a woman screaming and a bang come from the neighbouring house. So from there we will continue for the final instalment. Of every night at 2am our daughter starts to cry. We should have listened. For a split second I felt frozen. The sound seemed to echo. An unmistakable crack reverberating through the cul-de-sac. Echoing over the speaker which fell silent immediately after. Abigail's wails grew louder. My heart threatening to burst from my chest as I lingered in the horror of what I was certain I had just heard. The keys, I thought. Find your fucking keys. The thought spurred me into action, pushing me forth and out of the room, as I chanced one final glance in hopes of finding them. I took the stairs as quickly and carefully as I could manage, hyper-aware of the way Abby's cries grew louder with the force of our movement. My mind felt torn in a dozen directions, like holding the leads to a pack of wild dogs, and the world seemed to spin as my head grew hot with sheer panic. I hurried to the back room where the door to our garage was, and felt my heart drop as I saw nothing on the table. Fuck, where the fuck are my keys, I shouted, far louder than I should have Sonia Abigail, but the panic had frayed my nerves past the point of repair. Her tears quieted for a moment as she watched me with glossy eyes, her little face almost confused by the outburst. She looked between me and the table and I saw that innocent little smile begin to play across her lips as she pointed with one chubby finger on her uninjured hand towards the table where I had once felt so certainly resided. Daddy! She waved her little fist, pantomiming her favourite thing to do with either of our keys waving them about for the noise, and in my heart for the first time in a while somehow, 
I felt I understood my daughter immediately. My stomach did a complete 180 degrees. Though I suddenly felt quite sad that my caves were no longer in the house and likely hadn't been since the events of the prior afternoon. I knew I had to be certain. I racked my brain for where they could be. The kitchen was the only place I could think to look next, hurrying there with my thoughts, feeling all the more scattered. There was nothing. No sign of them anywhere. I could feel a strange sort of helplessness beginning to seep in, and as I searched for some answer. Without my keys, I had no way for us to get out, no way to escape the house, and if I was stuck, I needed to be certain that help was on the way. I pulled out my phone, called 911, and switching it to speaker. Quickly, I made my way to every door and window, ensuring each was locked, starting at the front of the house. I peered out my front window, onto our street. An eerie silence seemed to have fallen over everything since the sound of the gunshot had rang out. Not even the usual odd bark could be heard. Seemed even the birds had gone into hiding. I craned my neck to see the house next door and felt my blood run cold. Their front door sat wide open, a sight I'd never seen before at the home of Miss Melody. She was the sort I'd heard berate her husband for leaving a window open and risking a chill. And as minute a detail as it was, it felt a surreal confirmation of my fears. I set Abby down in the living room, needing every bit of movement as I continued securing the house. It was as I arrived at the back door that a thought occurred to me, almost freezing me in motion. The police. It struck like a bolt of lightning, the realisation. I still need to call the police. I quickly pulled out my phone, working the locks with my free hand and dialing the number, setting it to speaker. I had arrived before the garage door when there was an answer, yet as I stared ahead, feeling a nightmarish sense of deja vu like nothing I had known before, my mind felt filled by the sight of the open door before me. A breeze rolled in, up the driveway and into the house, and somehow it felt like the caress of death. With it came a single thought, laden in venom and horror that racked me with terrors. Hello? Hello? A man on the other end of the phone called, momentarily pulling me from my shock, though terror coursed through every inch of my being. I raised the phone to my ear, breathing my address into the receiver, and as brief a synopsis of my situation as could be managed. My final words sent a chill down my own spine. I need police as soon as possible, please. I... I think he's in the house. Units are on the way, ma'am. Please stay on the line. As I stared at the open garage, I felt transported back to the day before, and with the feeling came only one thought. Abigail. I raced back towards the living room, not even bothering to shut the door behind me as I did so, my heart climbing higher into my throat with every step. As I turned the corner into the room, my eyes shot immediately to where she'd last sat on the couch. I felt my blood curdle and struggled to bite back the scream I felt rising in my throat. Abigail sat on the couch in her hand a stuffed pink bunny with which she was occupied. Behind her, holding her as like he bore some familiarity, was my neighbour, 
Mr. Alvin Melody, as I would come to know him, sat hardly bothering to acknowledge me as I entered. His leathery face was covered in trickles of deep red, which spread along his clothes and arms, a baseball cap hanging loosely atop his thinning silver hair. I felt a fear like nothing I'd ever known, cold and sharp through my veins, along with a pain in my chest like I was being stabbed, but it all felt second to the rage. Get the hell away from her. I hissed the words through clenched teeth, hardly even recognising my own voice through the sheer hatred in it. I peered over at the fireplace for a moment, just behind the couch, seeing my opportunity. I hurried over and snatched the poker from its place, brandishing it like a club. Get the hell away from her now, the last part I roared, taking another step forward and raising my impromptu weapon. He looked up at me, with eyes such a cold, lifeless blue, it almost gave me chills, and sliding a single hand across the couch, bringing my attention to what sat beside him. A single 9mm handgun. Quiet now, he spoke, in a tone that was almost casual. You don't want to upset the baby. He caressed Abigail's head, the very sight making my skin crawl. I could taste blood in my mouth, alerting me to the fact that I'd been biting my tongue. Get away from her. He laughed, and it sounded genuine, and in his eyes, beneath mock civility, I could see a glimpse of something unhinged. Even backed into a corner, see how the mother bear roars for her cub? He smiled, meeting my gaze with an unwavering stare. I like you, you know. You spoke with a sort of familiarity that unmanned me. No hostility in his tone, just a cold sort of appraisal like some school principal. Unattentive, perhaps. But you're a good mother deep down. Your love for your little girl is... Fierce. Admirable. It's a trait I wish my wife had had. He spat those final words, his expression shifting for the first time into something hateful. I had a daughter too, once. Her name too was Abigail. He smiled down at Abby, who was utterly oblivious to the danger she might be in, distracted with her newest toy. I loved that girl as much as a man can love. More than I'd ever known I could. I spent months, sometimes years away from home as a military man. But it was always made better knowing I was returning to this little person who looked at me as though I held up the sky. He smiled, though there appeared something behind it this time. Something deeply sad, as he nodded to himself. My wife, though, she... She never loved her like I did. Oh, she said she did, but I could tell every time I was home. She resented how close we were. His eyes narrowed as he looked at me. Sick woman, she was. I got the call when I was deployed, running comms for an operation overseas that my Abby had. I could see that the man was struggling, his jaw tightening visibly. My eyes fell back on the gun. It sat perhaps a foot or so away from him. I could be no more than four. In my head I tried to play out some situation. 
in which I may advance on him before he could get to the weapon, either striking him with mine or taking his, without risking mine and my daughter's lives. He seemed not to notice my split attention. His own soul wrapped in memories from years past, and likely the waning adrenaline and shock of his own actions. They say it was an asthma attack that took her, by Abby, but I know better. It was my wife. He hissed the word like it was venomous, staring off and out the window in the direction of his home. I inched forward, moving so lightly it made my muscles burn, but even still my heart bounded with the fear that the ground might creak beneath me. I'm sure of it, as sure as I was when I saw this little girl. I felt my stomach tighten and fought the urge to rush forward and strike in that moment. That day you all first came to this house and I heard her name. I knew what it meant. He smiled at me and for the first time any mask of civility or calm was gone, a gut-wrenching, wide-eyed fanaticism in its place. My little girl had returned. I was being given another chance. She is my daughter. I couldn't hold my tongue any longer. You respired on our family, you. You took her from my house. You are sick. Rage flashed like a supernova beneath his eyes, his smile falling instantly. No, she isn't. Not anymore. And as to my devices, his lips quivered into a little grin. The bear. Of course I needed to keep an eye on her. I wasn't going to let negligence rob me of my joy again. I realised, listening to him speak, what I already knew. The man was... insane, beyond any sort of reasoning. The police would surely be on the way, and at his age, how far might he go before being caught, even if he was successful? For some reason, the thought brought me no comfort, the opposite in fact. It made me realise there was no predicting how he might respond. Don't think of it all as ill-intentioned. That bear was my Abby's long ago. She loved it, didn't she? He nodded, smiling wide. Of course she did. That's how I knew. You and your husband were very distracted on your moving day. I saw her sitting on the porch and gave it to her while the two of you directed the movers. The way she smiled. I knew in an instant. He peered down at her, and every part of me wanted to swing down with the poker, bringing it down atop his sun-leathered le scalp. I fought back my instinct, instead inching forward once more. Keep him talking. It was a singular thought running through my head. What happened to Mrs. Melody? I asked, wanting to hear nothing more about my daughter from that man's mouth. He frowned momentarily, shrugging as his eyes met mine. She... She found out what was going on. Always has been wary of me, that one. As if our daughter didn't die on her watch. Always said I was paranoid. Didn't want to hear it when I explained. Told me I was insane. He chuckled like the assertion was unthinkable. Told me I was sick. In the end, I did what I should have done all those years ago. Nothing should stand between a man and his daughter. 
He stared down at Abigail, planting a kiss on her hair, and it took every bit of strength I could muster to stop myself from leaping forth. Instead, I took the momentary distraction and inched forward. There was perhaps a little more than a foot and a half between us now, if I was quick. His smile faded for a moment as he looked up at me, and for that instant I felt my heart stop in fear that he'd seen me moving forward and had grown suspicious. But the face he wore was almost apologetic as he ran a hand over her injured arm, still wrapped from the ER visit. I assure you, this wasn't my intention. I meant her no harm, or you, even yesterday. I was simply worried. You can understand, I'm sure, how we care for our daughters. Swing, hit him, kill him. Some primal cave woman part of my brain shrieked like a chimp attacking the bars of its cage, fighting for immediate action. I simply inched forward. I forgive you, I managed, as genuinely as I could force myself to sound. To my surprise, his smile grew at that, as he nodded fervently. Good, I... I knew you would. You're a good parent. You would understand. Perhaps, he began, his eyes meeting mine. Perhaps you could join me. A girl deserves a good mother, and you and I could take care of her. We... The distant sound of sirens suddenly echoed through the air. The room filled with a silence that buzzed with awful tension. Slowly, his expression shifted. Any of the previous affection replaced by a mask of animal fury. The sirens grew louder, almost certainly somewhere down the street. You bitch! He spat the word, face going a deep red, animated in a way that almost seemed unfit for his age. You, you whore, you're just like her. He turned to see the approaching vehicles, still not visible yet though, as I could see the approaching glow of police lights through windows on the neighbouring houses. They were on our street now. I had to act. We could have raised her together, he roared, still staring towards the approaching vehicles as if in shell shock. Abby, I spoke, voice hardly above a whisper. Her eyes fell on mine, wavering between myself and the man, fear growing palpable on her little face. Go outside, go run, go play. I spoke, as quickly and with as much forced levity as I could manage. To my relief she smiled, nodding, and sliding off the man's lap, tottering past me and towards the open door. He turned to face me. We could have raised her happy. Because you wanted to be a fool, my Abby will have to be raised without a mummy. I saw his hand make a move for the gun. I raised the poker above my head. Everything seemed to blend into one long moment, time warping and melding and losing its meaning as there was only movement. His arm moved towards the weapon, my legs forcing themselves to close the distance. The poker raised high into the air. He grabbed the gun making to raise it at me. It was too late. I brought my arms down with a grunt, swinging with all the force I could muster. I felt a sensation like nothing I'd known before, my arms shaking with the sudden feeling of resistance, followed by a wet crack as one of the poker's curved edges dug itself into the man's head. 
Our eyes locked at a moment that remains frozen in my mind. His wide and searching, almost unbelieving of the fate dawning on him. For a moment I tried to pull, yet the feeling of resistance and the gurgling sound the man began to make made me stop. Even in my hatred, that human part of me unable to go any further. His mouth opened as though to speak, yet only a faint k k k came forth. We stayed like that for several moments, frozen in a horrid union, until I found it in me to release the poker. His head swayed forward, then back. With an almost staggering suddenness, he dropped back onto the couch, going utterly and completely still. For several seconds that felt like minutes, I stood there, processing the image of him, the reality of what I'd just done, before taking a breath. I had no time to mourn for myself or grapple with ideological qualms. I needed only to get to my daughter. As I made my way outside, I found her sitting on the step, little pink bunny in hand, and for a moment I considered grabbing it. Instead, I watched her with a growing smile as she attempted to braid its ears like hair. I made a mental note to give it a thorough look, as I would be with all of her toys from here on out. But for now, for now, I felt there was no rush. Even if there was a device, I had the distinct feeling there would be nobody to take advantage of it. My smile grew, a genuine expression despite the storm of emotions still under the surface. Something told me that Abby would be experiencing no more late night outbursts. That night, after statements had been taken, Alan had arrived and it seemed like a hundred calls had been made and received. We all had our first full night of sleep in months. That brings us to the end of every night at 2am our daughter starts to cry. We should have listened. Written by Young Seti. That's Young without the O. On Reddit. I hope you have all enjoyed listening to this tale. Next week we will have a return to the conspiracy side of things with our topic being the dead internet theory. Whoa, 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 whoa! What the hell was that? Oh, okay. Sorry, I just <laughs> fell off my chair. It was that exciting. Yeah, you've been on the edge of your seat all these weeks so I've been reading it and now you, you, you finally fell off the edge. Your legs eh? finally give out. Wow. <laughs> what a story. Uh, it was uh, quite a shocker of an ending. It was. It was. So, yeah, that, that's, uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I enjoyed the story, but I'm glad it's over. It took you four weeks to read it, though. Five. Five. Two, two for part one. One for part two and two for part three. Well, that's what you get. That's what I get. See, now what I would have done was, I would have had them in a line. Well, like, like, like a cue. And a cue of the music. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Richie's Corner. This week is sponsored by Bob's Building Bits. So if you're on the job and you forgot your tools, Bob will come out and give you some.
again at Bob's Dolan Bits. Okay, so we're going to start with some mental health tips due to me not having any internet this week. Um, so, so some tips would be to have a cold shower. I've been having a few of them. That's uh, definitely wakes you up, right? So I've heard. Some exercise, a couple of press-ups or getting chased off the police or whatever. Or just getting up off the floor. Oh, we'll have fun. Uh, <laughs> healthy eating. Uh, talking to friends and family. So basically, that doesn't apply to you because you do none of them. <laughs> no. I don't exercise. I don't eat healthy. I definitely don't need cold showers and I, I don't have any friends and I'm not even sure who my real family is anymore. That's nice. Moving on. Uh, shout out to the old people that's lonely out there. Um, I don't know if you're all listening, but if anyone's ever lonely and they want to talk or whatever, um, what's the email address? Curious.podcats at gmail.com. There we go. So you can talk to us. Right. Oh. Have you got a dad joke, huh? I certainly do have a dad joke. So, you know, during the pandemic, oh, no, why was that? I walked to the shop. I saw a burger kicking in his own door. I think he was working from home. <laughs> oh, you fuck off, man, will you? <laughs> I actually got you to laugh at that one. Um, you well, my wife's leaving us due to uh, my obsession with horse racing. And she's off! <laughs> <laughs> okay. To Familia from Dave. I've recently give up drinking, but it's thirsty work. Mm-hmm. Uh, got one here from Carly. I told my dad today that I'm gay, and he just said nothing. I mean, he's deaf, but still. Uh, got one here from Danny. Who are you looking at, you prick? Uh, you, dickhead. Uh, Nicola. Hi Richie, could I have some advice? So me and my cat normally pay half on the phone bill, but he's been ringing sex lines at night. I mean, what does he think it is, the 1990s? Who even rings sex lines anymore? Uh, also, he's ordering Carp Weekly and fishing magazines in my name. Um, I am not paying for his sexual perversions. What should I do? By the way, his name is Samuel, after his dad. Dave. Um, hmm. Well, I would just make him pay for what he's. Just pay what you normally pay. A little pervert. Maybe he needs to get a job. Could do. Mm-hmm. So, this one's from Jerry. <laughs> Hypothetically, this is not me, I'm just asking for a friend. So, my friend has his willy stuck in a milk bottle. What should I do? Um, Smash the I, bottle. If I was you, I wouldn't have any milk in your tea when you go and see him. Well, you might end up creaming stuff. Shut up. <laughs> this one's from Kevin Watersniff. Hey, Kevin Watersniff. I couldn't find a pen to write this letter. So sorry guys, there won't be a letter this week. I just thought I'd write this letter to let you know that there's no letter. Cheers, Kevin. Did you write with a pencil by any chance? Uh, I don't know. 
Since you couldn't find the pen. It's on some gorgeous can. Hi Richie, just found out. No, sorry, just found a shiny piece of glass with the most beautiful face I've ever seen on it. Oh wait, it's a mirror. Excuse me when I go and upload a selfie to Instagram with the caption ugly. Doing fine well that I'm not. Well, it's funny you should mention gorgeous Ken because we have got an email from Margaret Chair where I did read into it a bit beforehand this time and she has made mention of gorgeous Ken. Oh, go on then. I need advice guys, after my husband's funeral last week, I met his long lost son, <laughs> Gorgeous Ken. Oh, sick man. And oh my god, he is gorgeous. But I'm stuck in a pickle here, because me and Pablo have been going great. I've even met his family, but lately I haven't been able to afford to pay my rent, so I had a conversation with Pablo about it. It went a bit like this. Oh, I don't know how to pay my rent. Well, undoing my bra. <laughs> <laughs> and his reply was, Oh, I know a way while he unzipped his pants. Everyone else was shocked at his family while we played Monopoly. <laughs> I was embarrassed anyways, back to Ken. I stuck over to his the other day and was and it was bad timing because there was an ambulance outside his neighbour's <laughs> house carrying a bird out and guess who was looking at the window nosy Nancy I'm just I'm just worried she'll tell Pablo she's hated me ever since I ran over her cat 50 years ago <laughs> she needs to get over it sincerely Margaret Chair that was really good actually yeah um and it's like um, it's like an episode of Days on Our Lives. It's or something. Great, isn't it? <laughs> okay, we've got yeah, we've got one here from Barbara. Babs. Babs. Can I just say how much my life has changed for the better due to listening to this show? So Ben has been in hospital all week with his penis. Everything is fine. He just likes to show it off in the waiting room during the summer holidays. <laughs> <clears throat> so, I'm still having problems with my farting. It's so bad to the point where Kevin Watersniff, our neighbour, knocked to see if I had taken up playing the trumpet. <laughs> I was so embarrassed that I farted again and blew myself into the book cabinet. <laughs> He must have rang an ambulance because I woke up in the waiting room while Ben was performing a magic trick to an old couple with his penis. See you guys next week. P.S. Dennis is missing. The bird. Oh, the, one Margaret, the one that Margaret Chair was just talking about. Ah, the one that's on heart medication. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Right. Got me from Billy Barnes. My old, my old pal. Alright, you fucking pricks. Not that it's any of your business, but I now own a bird. I'm saying nothing. I'm saying nothing. I think it might be Barbara's because it keeps shouting and coming out with stuff like, oh no, she's cocking her leg again. <laughs> Get down, she's had a curry. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm oh. going to end up on heart medication after this. <laughs> Anyways, 
fuck you, you nosy pricks, Billy Barnes. Love you too, Billy. Uh, I've got one here from Call the Vampire. <laughs> why did Quizmine stop? Well, I'll tell you why, Call. Because you touch yourself at night. So, you know how you do your fun facts during Richie's Corner? Well, normally, yes, but it's a mental health special this week. Well, I've got a fun fact and some other things. Would it be right if I put them into Richie's Corner? I suppose, yeah. Oh, thank you very much. So, the fun fact that I have is... Did you know that nobody has ever been in an empty room? Hmm. I suppose that's true. Hmm. Um. Also, I suppose this would have this bit would have been better off in the curiosity bit, but given the creepy master story time, I'm just going to put them here. Uh, it's misused phrases. So you know the saying "Rome wasn't built in a day." Well, the say the actual full saying is. Rome wasn't built in a day, but it burnt in one. Right. Uh, curiosity killed the cat. Mm-hmm. False saying is, curiosity killed the cat, but satisfaction brought it back. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm. And another one of my favourites. A jack of all trades is a master of none. Mm-hmm. Well, we usually say a jack of all trades, master, master of, of none. Uh, you know, we don't say is a master of none, a jack of all trades, a master of none. But it's a, the full saying is a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. Mm. And what that means, <coughs> not that, what that means is that it's better to be experienced at a number of different things rather than just focus on, on the one thing. Because Oftentimes, you need the experience from other fields in order to accomplish the task that you're doing. Uh-huh. To, to on, only knowing that one field yeah. sometimes just isn't enough. Which I have actually proven a number of times because I am a jack of all trades. Ow! Are you? Well, not every trade. You know, but... I, I, I dabble in the, I have dabbled in different areas and I have noticed that when I'm working on something I can pull in experiences from something else that was totally unrelated to solve the problem mm-hmm. so <clears throat> right you're just obsessed with the vamp- about a vampire touching himself you thought you wanted to read it a second time um, so curious thoughts a new segment because someone says that we don't have enough okay Curiosity, it's a fly toy. Um, yeah, so well, I was curious. Curious thoughts this week is guess what? What? Ooh, so something to think about there, isn't it? Indeed, it is. Indeed, it is. I, I, I'm certainly curious. Mm. Which brings us to our next bit word of the week. Ooh, yes. Well, my word of the week is tenebrous, which means shadowy or obscure. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine's tea cake. You can eat them. God, I haven't had tea cakes in months. I used to like the chocolate tea cakes with a marshmallow and jam in the middle. Mm-hmm. Fucking hell, I could eat pallets of them. Tonics. No. I'll have to find them. Tonics are nice as well, I don't know what I would put. 
used to get like smaller ones for right. the one of gold packet or yellow packet. Tonics. No, I'm thinking something else. I'll send you a bit later. Okay. But what? Like you could get the like the mini ones of it, and you could just like like oh yeah, you can have two with your tea. But in reality, you'd have like four at once in your mouth because it was small, you know. I'd eat a full box of six of the full-size ones by Tonics. Mm. You're a nice family. I mean, for starters, I live alone, you know, so I didn't have to worry about sharing, you know, and I'm just one side. Well, it's fucking share anyway. No. You know, because you're a selfish arsehole. Who are you calling a selfish arsehole? You a bastard arsehole? I know I'm a bastard, but that doesn't mean you get called a selfish arsehole. Listen, man, listen. Go to the... Podcasts.